We're back with So You Think You Know Sports. Uh, we give you the best updates of what you want to know each week from the off-the-court stories, game highlights, and all-around sports knowledge, mostly highlighting NBA, NFL, and sometimes college. Uh, this week, we give you the best of the Zion Williamson, possibly not going to play the rest of this year, uh, the Giannis and his great feats and great awards he's gotten so far, along with the Knicks firing Mike Fisdale, the Cavs possibly going to trade Kevin Love, uh, the Mellow full contract and the, you know, the exciting NFL that was of uh, this past Sunday, Thursday and Monday. Well, before we get into it, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the hosts. My name is Alex, and Mohammed, say something for them. Hey, just want to say what's up to all our listeners. Thank you for listening, and make sure to subscribe to our podcast and other platforms, including Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, definitely. Um, and definitely tell your friends about us. Uh, we love some comments also, so just to kind of answer uh, it quickly, definitely leave some comments. Uh, tell me what you want us to cover. Cover. But we begin today with the NBA and Giannis. Uh, this past week, Giannis turned 25 years old. And his, in his short time in the league, he has racked up a lot of major awards. He's already become a three-time All-Star. He was the 2019 league MVP. He has the most improved player of 2017. These are very big awards. All NBA first team in 2019 and is the fifth player born outside of the U.S. to win MVP. I'm saying only five players outside of the U.S. who's born outside of the U.S. has won the MVP. So in a lot of people's minds, uh, the lead in the MVP race this year is Giannis. So when the 2020-2021 season starts... Whose skill set would you rather have, Kevin Durant or Giannis? Well, if we're going to get that Kevin Durant, the the pre-injury Kevin Durant, then I, I want Kevin Durant because no. he can score well, from any. What, what are you asking? Well, I'm I'm just saying the 2021, 20, so next year's. So yeah, at the but, start of that season, whose skill set would you rather have? I would want Kevin Durant's skill set because he can shoot from anywhere on the floor and he can take you to the basket. Um, same thing with Giannis. He's just not as skilled of a scorer. Um, his defense is pretty good. Kevin Durant, he played defense well, but I'm always going to be kind of hesitant with Kevin Durant from this point on, mainly because he had that big Achilles injury and he might not be the same. It's really hard to come back from an Achilles injury and to play at that high level that he used to. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that he's going to come back at an all-star level, but I'm not sure. Uh, but what I was trying to say before is if I can get that pre-injury Kevin Durant going into next season, I want Kevin Durant, not Giannis. Yeah. Well, I'm going I'm to give you a quick reasons why I'm picking Giannis. Because you know I'm going with Giannis anyway. I don't really care for Kevin Durant. I'm not going to be biased here, but I still Sounds. respect him. I know. I'm, I'm being straightforward. You know me. But I'm also saying 
I do respect his game. I do acknowledge he is a great player, a uh, very great player. He he's he was number two in the league. Uh, so not just the league, but in the world for best player in the league uh, in the NBA and as a basketball player. But the reason why I'm picking Giannis is because he's 25 and Kevin Durant's 30. That's one main reason why whose skill set I'm taking uh, simply off of age and who's going up and who's might have peaked already. Because I personally think Kevin Durant has peaked. It's not that he's going to get any better than he is now, especially not with his legs. Yeah, but aren't you just asking for next season, right? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying still with age, uh, the 30 and the uh, and the and just to say skills, it's because also Giannis is is going. He can get into being a three point shooter if he develops a mid range. It is absolutely over. He will be the next great freak phenom. Like he he's filling in pretty quickly here. Uh, I know. Uh, that Luca's a, a freak of nature also, and he will, I guess, at some point get into how he said it's easier to score in this MV- NBA than it is in the Euro League. Um, but I think that Giannis the, is the next up and coming. He's the next great one, uh, the next uh, dominator of a era. Is he though? Um, I, I'm, I'm still not really sure about that. Um, Let's see him go and play in the West. I mean, we most likely won't see that, but let's go and see him in the West. I I really like to see that. Kevin Durant, he is a proven winner. I mean, I know you might take some things away from him because he went and joined a super max team, but you can't take that away from him. He is yes, an NBA. He is an NBA champion, <laughs> and he showed up in the biggest moments against LeBron. Shot in yeah. his face two years in a row. Yeah, he showed up in the biggest moments when he lost 3-1 to the Warriors. Or he was up 3-1 and lost to the Warriors. Hmm. Yeah, he, yeah, but, he showed but, up but in you, the big but moments. But you're still then, taking that away from him, though. You, you're trying to yeah, take those two championships me and away. everybody else who makes sense of what happened in that situation. And I do think that Kevin Durant, like I said in a previous podcast, I mean in a previous episode, I think Kevin Durant's whole like legacy is actually going to be mounted on the two rings he got with Golden State. I completely believe that. I don't think he wins another championship in his career. I really don't. I know most I agree. people see that as, as and, and, well. That's the problem. That will be a problem because that's an overwhelming uh, situation that you literally trick your trick into, and and most people are going to really discount it. Like it's it's it's. It's just going to be that way because you chose that route. But time will pass and people will forget. And well, the only no, thing that they'll don't. see is those two rings on his fingers. No. And he showed up in the biggest moments. People are going to I, replay those two shots that he put in LeBron's face and how he showed up and played well. No, I don't believe that. I really don't. I I, yeah, I really <laughs> don't because I think the, uh, the whole era of Golden State is going to be fuzzy. It's just going to be, hey, that was a dominant team. I really do. I think it's going to be a little fuzzy, and it's going to be mostly consistent of uh, of Steph Curry, Curry's legacy, not Kevin Durant's at all. And because all of that era is Steph Curry's, sorry, Steph Curry's era, it is. And if your only rings uh, exist during Steph Curry's era, you're not, you don't have independent rings. People and people are going to know exactly where they came from. 
Do you think LeBron has independent rings? No, because it does take it, <laughs> No, no, it does take But uh, but did uh, Golden State already have rings before Kevin Durant got there? Yes, and they, they were worried they gonna get. Yeah, but were they also gonna get to the championship again uh, without Kevin Durant? Yes, more than Maybe. probably. Do you think that you Maybe. really think that somebody would have took them down even if Kevin Durant wasn't on the Warriors? You fully believe that? Yeah, somebody would have uh, taken them down. So that means you would uh, have thought that it would be wherever Kevin Durant was because he's the only leading factor to change that that scenario. And no, even, I don't think it's only like, just no. him. And even if you believe in that scenario, it was an overwhelming situation he put himself into, which showed that if he he made them so invulnerable, like they're invincible. Sorry, they made he made them so invincible that none of the league could compete in that situation other than LeBron. Well, I mean, if you look at the finals, even he couldn't compete. But yeah, with that, yeah no, he, 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 he definitely did put them over the top. But I'm, what I'm saying is you can't take those rings away. And you can't say that nobody would have been able to beat the Warriors without Kevin Durant. Like, I, I think there was plenty of teams that could have beat them. So you, they almost so who, lost to the Thunder even before they got to that finals against yeah, LeBron. But almost doesn't count. That's why Kevin Durant doesn't count either when he was up three one. So like uh, on the Warriors. So I, I, I just. But you never know, know what, is, what, what, what you don't know what would have happened that next year. Well, I, I know this has turned into a Kevin Durant. Uh, uh, scenario because it was all about Giannis, but I really do like we should dead this week here, but and we'll probably continue it, and it's going to be a continuous argument in this situation. But I really think he gets discredited due to uh, creating such an overwhelming effect on one team. I think that time will pass, and no. people their they hate for him will go down. No, this is a, one of the biggest mar- uh, like uh like it's such one of the biggest things in NBA like the decision. Like when LeBron sat down in a YMCA and just said where he was going to play for the next year. It, it and that's in a normal situation does not become significant at all, no matter what player it was, even if it was Jordan back then. But it became so significant that we know what everybody means when you say the decision. Just like when it came to Kevin Durant uh, making an overwhelming situation when it came to go to state, everybody's going to remember that because that's what the era was. Like it's not, it's unforgettable. It's not a forgettable thing. It's not a forgettable thing. But LeBron did the same thing. He made the decision to make an overwhelming team to win a championship. He did the same exact thing, and that's why Kevin Durant. That he he gave Kevin Durant it, that excuse to do that. When did it? No, but no, that didn't give him an excuse to create an. No, that was not. He gave him over- the pathway. He so you're telling me to do it. So you're telling me um, Chris Bosh uh, matches up to uh, uh, Clay Thompson? Because I'm just thinking about your third. Because we're just look, matching look. up on those. At that time, those players were all top fifteen players. LeBron James, Chris Bosh. But there was a true era of competition during that time. It was still debatable whether the Lakers were going to win it. It was still debatable on whether the Celtics were going to win it. It was still debatable on a lot of teams whether they were going to do it. Even the Mavs won against them. And that that took sure will by Dirk. We're completely off. But uh, look, you're just looking back from 
after Pat, after it's already happened. But before that, it was not looked at as as that. I, I guess, I guess. Well, it, we're, you, you, you remember it's, the it's, whole it's big great. party that they had? LeBron was like, not one, not two, not three. All of that. They were but looking to win multiple that championships. Happens at, but the thing about it is that happens at all stadiums. And when you're excited about a team, that that's not. Who a else has said that? No, no, no. I'm telling you why. Because this is not anything unusual from any other team. This is with just more televised because it was LeBron. This not that's not a abnormal situation that that happens with other teams. They also say, hey, I'm here to uh, win championships. And a lot of them, everybody does that. It just meant more when LeBron did it. I, I, I know we're fully off, 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 off track right now, but it is an interesting conversation. OK, well, you can go ahead and go, ahead. go to the next well, one. Well, I, well, I'll pull it back because <laughs> I'll pull it back in. Uh, actually, and we're going to probably like scratch the rest of what it was about uh, about Giannis. Actually, I'll bring it down to the last question about Giannis because it was it was a few other ones. But with Giannis more than likely having 10 years, 10 more years left in the league. Which player do you see his career being most similar to and what counts his career as an as a success? I see his career probably being close to Hakeem Olajuwon because see, he'll probably mm-hmm. win two championships and he'll be looked at as one of the best guys of his time period and never never thought of as a bad guy because the other two big players who've gone back and forth between these past, I say, 10 years, LeBron and Kevin Durant and all that, they both became villains in a lot of people's eyes. But I don't see that for Giannis, mainly because he'll try to stay on that one team and win championships for that team. So I say he wins two and everybody thinks of him as a good guy. But what, and also, what would count his uh, career as a success? I think those two championships. That's that's an, that's a success. I mean, people didn't have that much expectations for him going into the league. Okay, yeah, I, I would agree. Two championships is a success. One might even be a success. Also, it's not that hard uh, rules on him. And I do think of him as the lovable hero, the lovable. Uh, annihilator and uh, the NBA because is his French accent helps it in, uh, in a lot of ways. I really do think that's one of the biggest uh, characteristics. And he he already comes off as a nice, very nice guy. He is not the villain like you said. So I definitely agree on that. Uh, what would count his his career as a success is if he if he reaches the top fifteen. And like standings of all mental about a player. Like he does not need to be in the top five. He doesn't even really need to be in the top 10. But if he's in that top 15, that is a true success of a career. I, I think that's overwhelming. Um, well, because, I think like he I has that ability. Before. I think he has that ability to be counted as possibly the greatest ever. If, but I don't, I don't want to put that <laughs> type of, ex- no, no, really. I don't want to put that type of expect- expectations on him, but I really don't think he's like, he's still, a, it, it, and don't take this in a, a wrong way, anybody, but I think he's still a boy in a way. Like he still has time to grow. He's only 20 uh, because you don't get a full hefty man body to like maybe 28. 
And you saw it different with Shaq. You saw it different with a lot of players. They get a hefty uh, type of uh, man body. And I, he's a big guy. He's a tall guy. He's an athletic guy who I think is going to get a real hefty, like Shaq-like body, but young Shaq body. <laughs> I do. You said, you said hefty? I, I, no, I think I, that's I all, like... man. I, I'm telling you, that's the only way I can kind of think of it. Like, you kind of chunk me up or in, in a way. Like, you just... There's a difference between when you see a skinny, a skinny, a skinny, like it's a difference. But it's different when you see a skinny, uh, somebody in their 20s, early 20s and somebody in their late 20s or 30s. It's it's a difference. You see Gucci, you see different people. They just look completely different. A type of baby fat uh, starts to drop off and they look more grown. It's just it happens. I, I pay attention. Well, in this day and age, it's hard to tell because a lot of people are more overweight. But I, <laughs> I, I agree with he probably needs to mature some more because his skills probably are at his. He's really at his floor right now, and it's only up from here for him. So I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and, just, I, and the easiest way, I guess, so that I don't seem crazy on it. Look at younger Kobe at 25 and uh, Kobe at 30. He wasn't not skinny. He just looked hefty. He had a more weight to him. He had more girth to him. That's why all I'm saying is players get a little bit more stockier once they get to a certain age. Like Kevin, even Kevin Durant did. Kevin Durant was extremely skinny. You think he's skinny now? Look at some old pictures of him. Yeah, yeah, he's he's always been skinny. Um, but it's I, I guess yeah, that's right. It's it's a heftier skinny. Yeah. Okay, but uh, to kind of move it along and not make it weird, uh, we're going to go ahead and talk about Melo and how his he's been very significant to the Portland Tra- Trailblazers. Now, Melo is, in this short return, has surprise expectations. Uh, recently beating out Harden, who averaged in one week, uh, who averaged 40 points per game. Luka, Luka Doncic averaging 30-point triple-doubles all throughout the week, and LeBron leading the Cavs to an impressive start, leading the Western Conference. So, Melo, yes, I'm talking about Carmelo Anthony, was a player who won Player of the Week over these players, over LeBron, Luka, and James, who had a very impressive week on their own uh, side. But with all that is in mind, the Trailblazers are now making Melo's contract fully guaranteed. Which maybe get, it brings a few questions uh, in, to mind. Like, how far do you see Melo spark taking the Blazers this season? I don't see them going anywhere because they're still losing games to teams that are at the top of the Western Conference. Um, those wins that they got whenever he got that award um, was against the Bulls the Thunder one time, and then the Bulls again. And then since then, they lost to the Clippers, they beat the Kings, then lost to the Lakers, and then lost to the Thunder. So I, I really don't see them going much of anywhere. It, they'll be- barely make the playoffs if they do. Um, they're really going to have to get on a roll and turn things around. But Carmelo Anthony, I do have to give him credit. He's playing well in his position. He's trying to um, play to his role now. He's trying to be the best that he can be um, just being out of that all-star phase. And I really have to commend him. 
I agree. I completely agree. But um, how far does it? I don't agree fully on the barely makes them into the playoffs. Like I do think it's a very tough West, and the Trailblazers have done better. They've won the division on top of being like number three in division multiple times in the past four years. It doesn't add up to a championship, but they they've gotten high seats um, over a year. But I think it gets them somewhere around the sixth seed. I think it gets them in a confident, good spot in the playoffs. Have and you looked at the standings? Not recently, to be real. <laughs> not fully. They're 9-15, and they're nowhere near the playoffs. Ah, that does suck, but I do think they make it to the playoffs. <laughs> I, I still think it's still – there's two-thirds left of the season. I do think they get it on track, though. I really do. Maybe um, they should, but they don't have any defense. So that that really sucks for them. I mean, a lot of other teams don't either, but they play even worse defense. True. So uh, not showing too many signs of aging. How many more years do you think Carmelo Anthony has left in the in the NBA as a productive player? I I would say he has at least about three more years as a productive player. I, I think. He can go out there and get you some quick points. Um, I know he's been starting for the Trailblazers, but if somebody wants him to come off the bench in maybe next year or the year after that and be that microwave, some quick points off the bench, I can see him. I can see that being the future for Carmelo Anthony if he's willing to take that role. So I think that he can be a productive player for at least three or four more years. I can, yeah, I can really respect that. That's like a really good answer. I, I can't really disagree at all on that one. I don't see five years in there. I think he would be trying to stretch it too much if he tries to go five years. Uh, and that's probably maybe because he would be trying to keep up with LeBron, but I, at max, I would see, say, yeah, four years is a reasonable idea to expect of LeBron, not LeBron, but of uh, Carmelo. Um, what, we're moving on because we actually have a lot to cover here, uh, especially when it come, we get to the NFL part. But we're going to continue with some more, more basketball. Now, ahead of the Cavs losing 47 points to the 76ers on Saturday night, 141 to 94, the Cavs are looking to trade Kevin Love after five years with the team. So quickly, I ask, where do you see Kevin Love being the most useful? Being the most useful, I, I think he can be useful on any team because he's a bigger man that can rebound and spread the floor. Um, he can shoot three-pointers and take it to the basket here and there. Um, he, he's still that lower-tier all-star type, I think. Um, he just needs to be put in the right situation. And he can also be the fall guy whenever somebody doesn't win. Um, so I, I think he can fit on basically any team. Um, I think there'll be a lot of suitors out there, but they're not going to want to give up much for him. Honestly, I really like I sat here and I tried to think of every team and I really couldn't think of a good spot for him. Like I literally have the I really have the opposite kind of analysis on because just covering a couple teams like let's say we'll go over the top eight or let's top six contending teams right now. Milwaukee. I don't see anybody trading for him with Milwaukee. 
And it's not that he would be a great fit because that's clogging the, clogging the lane a little bit. I know he can play outside and he's uh, facing a hoop, but I, I I just don't see him in Milwaukee. Now you have the Miami Heat. Mm, I, I guess that might be the probably the best fit out of all the teams out there. And that's really not a great, great, great over-the-top thing for the Heat. It would just be something expensive. Um, so I'm not saying fully – Right now, that'd be great for them if they didn't have any other options. Uh, so, who's number three? And it's just, it's probably Philly, Philly or the uh, the uh, it's actually the Celtics. Now, the Celtics, nah, they already have their they set, they're set, they're set all the way down at the bench. Uh, they don't need them. And then, who after that? Uh, the Seventy Sixers. I don't Are see you just the Seventy Sixers in the East. I, I'm just looking in the East because it's easier to go down the list real quick. That's the top four uh, teams that were are going to be real contenders to win in the West. And you could possibly say the Raptors, but that's still not a good fit because Pasay Siakam is good to go. Now you're looking at the contenders in uh, the West. No, he's not going to the Lakers because they don't have that salary cap, and that's, they already got their chemistry. It's, he's not going to the Clippers because they want defense and they want it a certain way. They like their team. Uh, you're looking at the maybe the Trailblazers, but they already they already got uh, Hawaiian Whiteside and uh, a couple other players that they just they're packed also. Uh, they need cheap players. They need but they're players. not even in the top six. <laughs> I know, I know, but I'm just saying even if they they have the mental like they're contenders. Even if they had the mental like, hey, if we add this piece, we'll be contenders. It that they could possibly think like that, but it's just not a good fit. Um, now what's, what's the other top teams? That, let's say Rockets. I can see Dallas. Nah, cause they kind of already, uh, I guess. No, that would be what? perfect. I think that, that's going to be a, a not, that sounds, uh, what, but what do you mean? I, I don't see the problem with that. He would I play guess. the floor and he can I, spread I, the floor. And shoot. right now, actually, I don't think they have the room like salary wise. For him, as far as I remember, so yeah, that that kind of that's not a bad pick. I I will agree, but it's still like as you said, there's a lot of places I really don't see that many places. So right now, his best options I look at is your option, Dallas and uh, the Miami Heat. If he stays in the East, which I think he does. Well, I I think most of your problem is just salary cap space. He he can fit on any one of these teams. I, I agree, but I'm saying logically. Logically means that you got to consider the salary cap also. Yeah, you got to consider the salary cap, but wasn't the question what team does he fit on? No, the question, like, so let me read you back in it. Where do you see Kevin Love being the most useful? Well, yes. <laughs> I mean, that has to be the, useful to the team, right? That means the front office and the, uh, the, the people on the court, right? In a way, but on the court That's, matters the most. Yeah, but the, but the, the team cap. is the team. Isn't the team the whole part? So if you're saying he's the best for that team, it, you have to have all parts, and like to calculate all parts, not just like whether he fits good on the court. Yes, that means the most. It really does when you're thinking about the argument, but you also have to think about the salary cap because it's a team. That, like when you look at the front office, that's the team also. Well, they can go over the salary cap. Teams do it all the time. But not for Kevin Love. That's why I don't think he's that useful. I think he's pretty useful on the court. Maybe they just don't want to pay him that much. That's that's what it is. Yeah, I I guess, I guess. But uh, we kind of went 
off on that one. I think you're actually going to be more interested in this next question. So do you see the Cavs getting another top 10 player to join them in the next 10 years? Or did the way Dan Gilbert reacted the first time LeBron left Cleveland scare off any chance of that happening again? Um, It's a combination of LeBron leaving and just nobody wants to play for the Cavs. They're going to have to draft another LeBron, so your another answer LeBron is no? type. Yeah, my, my answer is no. Like, no, completely no. No, Nobody wants to go and to the, the top Cavs. Team, and even if they had 10 years? Yeah, in 10 years, no. Nobody wants to go there. Who's going to attract them? They need the next LeBron to attract another free agent there. Nobody's going to be like, oh, um, I'm considering the Cleveland Cavaliers for free agency. No, nobody wants to do that. This it has to be some place that generates a, a lot of money. You get a lot of attention as a big market, and the team is winning. And the Cavs are the complete opposite of that, and they have a bad owner. So no, nobody wants to go to the Cavs, even in another ten years. I completely agree. I just wanted to make sure we were clear. Uh, so yes, I say no also, but no, there is one chance. I do find one chance. That's if LeBron buys the Cavaliers. That's the only way. Uh, that's the only way that they attract another top 10 player in the next 10 years. Because it's possible that LeBron could own a team in the next 10 years, even if he retired in the next five. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's the only way they get a, uh, a top 10 player to come to their team. It's mostly because of how Dan Gilbert reacted uh, when LeBron left the first time from Cleveland. And if you don't know what happened, down Gilbert is the owner of the Cavaliers, which is LeBron's home team and also got drafted number one, too. Once LeBron felt he needed to leave the Cavaliers to win a championship, which ended up, be, ended up being true, he went to the Miami Heat. Dan Gilbert back, pretty much really backhanded him with a lot of different comments and actions as he put this is a whole another story but he put his, his former friend and person who had sex with his mother on the on the website and then also put up a letter about how disloyal he was on the main website of the of the Cavaliers. Um, so, yeah, that's that was a very bad thing. And I, I never forgave him for it. I never felt LeBron should have came back to Cal- to Cleveland. They are lucky he, he gave them a championship and brought them to two, three others. Sorry, two, two others, in, which completes three. So, yeah, I, I don't really think they get another one unless LeBron uh, comes there to own the Cavs. And as long as they're in Gilbert, they're not attracting any type of free agent to come there. Still, even with LeBron, I think it would be hard to go there. <laughs> it's a hard team to go to. It's a hard city to be in. Yeah, so, yeah, nobody, nobody wants to be they, in. They're going to have to draft. Nobody really wants to be in uh, Cleveland. Uh, not, it's geographical about this. It's, Cleveland, Ohio is cold. And if you're a superstar with a lot of money, you don't really want to be there. as Odell Beckham, which we will cover later on. Um, but we move on to the Knicks, which fired Mike Fisdale, very popular coach and ex-player. Uh, in 13 seasons, I'm talking about the Knicks. The Knicks are 350, and they have lost 656 
with one playoff appearance with Steve Mills working in the front office. Now, Fisdale was 21 and 83 in his, in his less than three, sorry, less than two years with the team. It was more like a year and maybe a quarter because he just got fired. Um, but the Knicks have had 12 different coaches in 18 seasons. Has the Knicks ran out of faith for their remaining fans to rely on? Um, I, I think there are multiple loyal Knicks fans out there, and they're going to show up to the game no matter what because of the history of the franchise and it just being in New York, and they are just completely loyal to that team. New York is a huge market. It always generates money, um, and people just want to go see their favorite basketball team play. No matter who's on the court out there, it could be some G League player or whatever they call it now, and they'll show up. They'll buy season tickets. I, I think that the Knicks, they are it like it, it doesn't matter if they're winning or not. People are going to show to those games. Um, but the Knicks fans, they should stop coming to the games so the Knicks do better somehow. The the owner. Maybe he has better relations with other people around the league and be in a better light. Um, but uh, the Knicks fans, they, they, they deserve a lot better. I, I agree. They do deserve a lot better, but I don't really have that much sympathy for the Knicks, but especially because of the owner. Not, not for the fans. Not for the fans at all. For the owner, I don't have sympathy for the franchise because in the end, it is his franchise. So that means if I'm feeling sorry for anyone, I would have to be feeling sorry for him, which if anybody logically thinks about it, they don't even the fans wouldn't want to feel sorry for him. They they really dislike him. The owner of the Knicks, like they feel the Knicks is a part of the city and a part of who they are and that he he's just the owner and he should be able to be replaced because the Knicks is the city. Um, unfortunately, I think they are losing a lot of faith with fans. Like, I, I know there's the diehard, I will never change Knicks, but they are blind followers. They're completely blind followers, and they know they're blind followers because there's never any progress. Um, but I actually move it right into the next question. Once Kevin Durant returns to play, do you think that New York is officially become a uh, Brooklyn Nets city? No, um, I actually think that Kevin Durant is going to have to bring multiple championships to the Brooklyn Nets to become a Brooklyn Nets city. Um, the Knicks just have too much history. People gravitate towards the Knicks. They have always liked the Knicks. And the Brooklyn Nets are just a new thing. Um there are a lot of fans for the Brooklyn Nets, but not like the Knicks. Um, the the Brooklyn Nets, they that franchise is going to have to have multiple years of success before they become a Brooklyn Nets town. And I, I don't see that really happening. Kevin Durant is going to have to win multiple championships, but that's I don't I really don't see that happening. Yeah, uh, I don't think he needs multiple championships. I think he only needs one. And it'll become a Brooklyn Nets city. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think he only needs a one because that's how much they are starving, starving for an actual champion, for a championship, especially of the basketball kind for New York. If that happens, the shift will fully happen. But him just returning is not going to make it happen. It will appear to be that way because they will be rooting for Kevin Durant and they will be wearing his jerseys. But at heart, they'll still be Knicks fans. Yeah, so that kind of proves my point. <laughs> That'll never be a Nets town. No, no, I agree. But I also only I agree if he proves both of us wrong and he does win a championship, he only needs one. Where you said it was two, I really think he only needs one, and they'll deify him. Uh, I don't know. I, I think he needs at least two because there's still those loyal Knicks fans that will turn the blind down to all that and still try to root for the Knicks to finally rise up. But if you uh, went two, you can't deny it. I I hear you, but I really don't think he needs that much. I really do think they just want a champion, and especially of the basketball kind, because they absolutely believe they are the mecca of basketball, but they don't produce actual basketball players who win championships, which really I think stresses the whole city of New York out. I really do. I think it's stressing them all out. <laughs> like, how can we feel we're the Mecca and we don't actually produce uh, transcendent players in the NBA? Now, their other great hope was Carmelo and all that love they wanted to Car- give to Carmelo is going to drop right on Kevin Durant. I really think he'll get absolved of a whole lot if he brings at least just one, just one championship to the city of New York. It wouldn't be about that would change people's hearts, especially when they had many reasons to turn against the Knicks. Um, I, I just say that he needs more, but we can continue. Yeah, of course. So we move on to football, which is going to be very interesting because it's getting to the very meat of the season and of the time that means something when it comes to college. Now, the college football playoffs has finalized with its rankings the rankings now after the last games of the regular season and uh the championships of the different divisions lsu comes out number one ohio state comes out number two clemson comes out three and oklahoma is four so the first round of these college playoffs finals place playoffs which would make you the champion of uh the college league they're, the first round matchups are going to be LSU versus Oklahoma and Ohio State versus Clemson. Who are you putting your money on to win the first round matchups? In the first round matchups, I'm going to start with Clemson and Ohio State. And I see Clemson winning by two touchdowns because I think they have been on a roll. Um, they haven't played the best competition, but they've been on a roll ever since that slow start that they had. Um, and Ohio State, they've been kind of shaky. Um, they, they've they played Wisconsin in that uh, championship game, and they, they were down by a lot. They they came back to win that game, and, I mean, they, they ended up on top. Um, they, they were pretty close with Penn State and a few other teams that were ranked but I think if you keep Justin Fields in the pocket and try to make you beat him, make make him beat you from there, 
then he will struggle. Now, with Clemson, they have multiple weapons on the outside, including the quarterback. Um, they have a pretty good offensive line, not as good as last year, but um, they their offense is pretty high-powered. And their defense is usually good, but they'll, they'll give up points. But I, I see Clemson winning that by at least a couple of touchdowns. And as far as LSU and Oklahoma, I, I see this being that back-and-forth type of game like – LSU and Alabama, but LSU is going to come out on top because they just have too much firepower and they, they have one of the better defenses and Jalen hurts. He's going to come out and do everything that he can. He's going to be running all over the place, throwing the ball to all of his receivers, but their defense is going to let them down because their defense isn't really that great. So I see LSU and Clemson being in the final to make the answer easy, I completely agree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I really think exactly the same way um, on this one. The LSU is going to be overwhelming, and I think they win by at least two touchdowns. And because of, like, one defensive touchdown and an offensive touchdown, that separates it. Um, and with Clemson and Ohio State, I think Clemson comes out on top. I actually, not to get too far ahead. Actually, well, I'll go ahead and get far ahead. Who comes out on top at the end of the college playoffs? At the end, it's going to be a very close game between LSU and Clemson. But I think LSU takes this one home. Um, Joe Burrow, he's going to solidify him winning the Heisman because I, I think he's pretty much locked that up. So I, I, I think they come out on top they're going to be a very high-powered offense, and their defense is going to make enough stops to slow Clemson's offense down and uh, bring that trophy back to LSU. Okay. Well, I actually think and this is like a weird situation. I think Clemson is actually going to win, uh, and it's not because I trust the quarterback. It's because I trust the coach, and I think in a gritty fight, they can come up with a good game plan, just enough to upset LSU. So I think Clemson comes out on top, which is only because most times when you overly or the crowd overly thinks it's one way, it actually kind of tends to be the other way unless it's just an overwhelming situation uh, where you could not go to state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got to fit that in. But I, I think – I mean, that could happen, too. Uh, it's, it's a very close matchup. Uh, I'm not sure who will win. I'm, I'm just going with LSU because I think they are just a, a little bit better, but not much better. Okay. Uh, like, logical minds would pick LSU, uh, So, but I'm, I'm going to go with, ride with Clemson on this one, even though I would like LSU to win. But uh, we move on to the NFL, and we'll begin with an individual player because it's quite interesting what he has been doing Uh Every game here. Well, not every game, but games against opponents. Now, Oda Beckham joined the Browns this past season and has only two touchdowns this season, which is quite disappointing when he has been widely known as a top five receiver, if not the top receiver in the league. He has really not been targeted by the Browns offense and in this one season, after 13 games, he has only 15 
59 receptions, 144 yards. He's averaged 14.3 per yard, which is really, really good. That means if he catches it, he goes pretty far, but only has two. Yes, I said two touchdowns this year. He's got one in week two, and he got another touchdown maybe about two to three weeks ago, uh, which is really, really low for a top five receiver, especially joining a thought-to-be well-equipped team. Recently, it has come out that Odin Beckham has a groin injury, which will require surgery in the offseason. Also has come out that Odin Beckham has been telling the opposing teams before and after games, quote, get me out of here. Being very unhappy with the Cleveland Browns and their uses of him. So has this relationship reached a point of no return? And how should Odell Beckham and the Browns go forward from here? I'm not, I, I don't think this has reached a point of no return. Um, this has mainly been stuff behind closed doors. I, I, I feel like the Browns, if they can, well, it might be too late at this point, but I, I think if they were able to turn the season around and make the playoffs, then things would be looked at in a more positive light because they're winning. But since they haven't been winning, it's this just might be over between the Browns and Odell Beckham. Um, and I actually think that this o- Odell Beckham, he's going to be looked at as a Terrell Owens. He's going to go from team to team. He was He's that great receiver, but everything doesn't click in the locker room. He's always looked at as that that player that breaks up the locker room, who causes trouble. Um, he, he is a great talent, but I, I, I think this is going to start to be a pattern. Um, whenever things go wrong, he's going to call some people out, and they, he's going to want to move. But um, as far as where they go from here, with Odell Beckham and the Browns, I see them just looking for the highest bidder. He's still a great talent. He hasn't been used in the best way, but the highest bidder will get Odell Beckham. I'm not sure if they're really going to care where they drop him off to, but the highest bidder will probably get him. All right. So I was going to let you finish, but I got to address the highly disrespect on T.O. and Odell Beckham. You did it both ways in this. What do you mean? I'm going to address it. Now, T.O. was a great receiver, and you can't really compare careers to Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham's career does not compare to to Terrell Owens. And, yes, he jumped around from team to team, but he was an extreme uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. that's what he should be, but because of the reputation left at the end, that changed perception widely about him, and because he was a loudmouth. That's really why. That was really, that was really he was a model citizen when it came off the field, but because he was a loudmouth, they did not, in in the history of uh, NFL, like Terrell Owens. Now, so I, that's how I feel like you're disrespecting. But what uh, has Odell no, no, done off the field, I, though? Let me, let me finish. Let me, so. I, I I just think that yeah, Odell Beckham has had a great career, but you can't compare them two yet to each other. Like uh, because it seems like you're uh, you're also saying that uh, 
that Odell Beckham is a person who uh, breaks up a locker room because I don't believe that either. He has not had that uh, stigma put on him. People have seen him act out on the sidelines, but I've never heard that he was a bad teammate or that he wasn't likable or anything like that, and which would be more towards the T.O. side. So I think both, both people got disrespected in this one because of what was being compared. Yeah, Odell is not the loud mouth that T.O. was, and Odell has not reached anywhere towards the career-wise to even be in the field of being compared to uh, T.O. I, I think he has um, he, he he has gained that traction to be compared to great receivers like him. I mean, people were comparing him to Jerry Rice whenever he was first coming out because he was putting I, I, up monster stats. I hear and you, but it, that, he, that's not he's even halfway there, though. But the thing about it is, he ain't even halfway there. He's not even halfway there if he needs to touch T.O.'s career by yards, by touchdowns, by all of that. But still, uh, aren't all of these quarterbacks that come into the league and putting up big stats, don't they get compared to other greats? And they haven't he... reached their, 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 their max potential yet? It's the same thing. Uh, not really, because the only reason why I was saying that is because you compared only because you compared. Uh, you could I, I did it wasn't part of the question. I didn't even answer the question because uh, it was about the Browns. But I, it's only because you compared T.O. and Odell Beckham because uh, because the stigma on T.O. is not of what should be on Odell Beckham, and the career on T.O. should not be compared to Odell Beckham because he ain't even halfway there. And I, I would never compare the two if I needed somebody to compare them to. Like, I would even I would compare them to uh, Antonio Brown. And Antonio Brown got ring, or at least one ring. He has one ring. No, he doesn't. He, he hasn't won anything. He didn't win one with Ben? Nope. They, they oh, never well. won a thing. Well, then, there. Actually, he's perfect to compare him to if you're going to be more like uh, comparing. And he really don't have the reputation as a, a, a uh, locker room killer as – Antonio Brown does. I now, can see can the locker room killer, but you, you can't say you can't compare their careers because it's just like whenever you're comparing Lamar Jackson to Michael Vick, he hasn't reached the limits, the, the heights uh, of Michael Vick yet, but you're comparing Michael Vick doesn't have Michael Vick does not have a Super Bowl, and I'm talking Neither about does Lamar Jackson. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I, and, and the reason why I'm comparing him is because, mostly because of the running ability. ability. Everybody compares him uh, to Vic because of the running ability. It's all, but that's he, the only you reason just why said he that he was better than him. What by fast? Yes, fast. And fast no, no. You boys. said as a player, you said he already is better than Michael Vick. You, and, you said that, and that's uh, uh, that. Yes, because I'm breaking down arm strength, actual uh, his how fast because he might be one little hair faster than Vic. He really might just be. And and then his moves with it. He's not loose with the ball when he runs with it because that was a big knock on uh, Vic. Another big knock on Vic is he wasn't that great of a passer. He was he was a good long ball passer, but he was not accurate. Lamar Jackson's accurate. So comparing them as players, yeah, that's 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 what's going to happen with that. But uh, when you're comparing uh, somebody who's because because Vic does not have a championship, so he can get uh, get compared to anybody who don't have a championship. That's why I'm saying you you can't no that's 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 blasphemous. No, because he's he like people who don't have a ring gets compared to people who don't have a ring, and they get compared to people who do have rings. 
And if they do, they always get discredited only if their team was hung up because it's, uh, it's football. Football is more of a team sport, but unless there's an overwhelming situation where, oh, that's the reason why you didn't win the Super Bowl, it's not going to be that way because Vic never made it to the Super Bowl. Well, all I'm saying is it's not ridiculous to compare Odell Beckham and Terrell Owens. That's well, that's not a ridiculous thing. I, I'm, I'm that, saying that was the whole thing. Only, mostly because of the stigma you're putting on each player. Like, I would pick somebody different even if I'm comparing them by career and even if I'm uh, comparing them by attitude. Both ways, I wouldn't compare them. That's what I was making it. Because each one, you, if you can't place the other person, a bad trait personality on the other. Now, the bad trait right now, it would be that Odin Beckham hasn't fulfilled a legacy and, and might, he might not ever. And yeah, you can compare them because they don't have rings, but because of T.O.'s overwhelming effect as an individual player, he's racked up the yards. He's racked, he did that on purpose. Uh, Odell Beckham never seems like a person who, well, he, I don't want to say he doesn't seem like a person like that. He has never had a quarterback where he could even get into a mode where he's going to rack up certain accolades when it comes to like yards, touchdowns, and things like that. He did. Whenever he first got in the league, he, he was racking up. He was racking up a whole bunch of yards and touchdowns. Yes, he was. But Jerry that, Rice. I agree. I don't, I'm not saying he wasn't great, but and, and the thing about it, they were they were talking about talent. No, no, they and, were talking about at the same points in their career. They had the same types of numbers. Okay. I, now, if you're comparing To and his former time at that same time, no, no, maybe, I'm talking about I'm talking maybe. about Odell and Jerry Rice. At that time, that, no, at no, the same I, points I mean, in their career, that's what they were comparing. I, no, I heard you on that. I mean, like, uh, where you were comparing T.O. and Odell Beckham. Now, if you're comparing where T.O. was at that point in his career and where uh, Odell Beckham was at the same year, then, uh, yeah, definitely, you're okay, yeah, we can compare all that all day. But I also felt that you were using the argument to say how Odell Beckham would be in the locker room. And because you said he's a locker room killer. Odell Beckham's not that. He's he's a actor. He acts out on the sidelines. He's also proven he doesn't act out this year when he really didn't get his way. Yeah, I, and I said I can see your point, but yeah. I, I, all I'm saying is it's not ridiculous to compare those two players. Yeah, we'll, we'll meet in the middle because they don't both don't have rings, so I guess you can compare them. Uh, but we're moving on to the Patriots and the Chiefs, of course. Uh, now, this matchup is very interesting because you'll be surprised where I side on this one. Uh, the Chiefs will outlast the Patriots 23 to 16. And there's a big debate on a very kind of missed call for the that would go in favor for the Patriots. Now, did the Patriots get cheated out of a win? I would say that the the refs definitely messed it up. I mean that that could have put them in a position to win that game, uh, a lot better position. But if the offense was what we thought it might be coming into this season, that wouldn't have mattered because this really only tells the story of what's been happening for most of the season. The offense just does doesn't have it this year. They don't have enough talent. They don't have much of anything on the offensive line, almost in the running game. Um, 
they're not really getting much from anybody on that offense. And I think that this is really carried over from last year because the only thing missing is Gronk. And he was a, a really big piece in just being a decoy or just getting open as a receiver. And and it's really just carried over to this season with just having basically Edelman and James White as weapons. And that's that's really not enough. I mean, you could probably couldn't even tell me who their tight ends are this season or much of any of their receivers besides of besides Edelman. So the the offense just does not have it this year. And I'm just going to say that that's just how it's going to be for the rest of the season. So you're saying that they didn't get cheated out of a win? No, no, no. I'm saying that the refs missed the call that could potentially have them winning the game. But that only plays to what has been going on throughout the whole season. The offense not having enough to put them over the edge to win those close games against better teams. I'm actually quite surprised you didn't say they got cheated out of a win because I really do think they got cheated out of a win. I didn't. I, I know some people say, hey, you put it in a situation where, hey, they still needed to score the points because of rules and the, play, the game played out how it did and just stick up for it, hey, whatever. And that's probably the route most probably people would have thought I would have taken uh, that, hey, they just need to suck it up because it still was in the field of play. But I really do think they got cheated. His foot was clearly inside the bounds, and that was clearly a touchdown. I, I really do think uh, they got cheated out of a win. And even in a situation where it was a fumble, uh, the tight end, I think it was a tight end, he fumbled and they were running back the other way. It, it wasn't fully that he would have scored, but they they called it dead a whole lot further back for when they had the ball where the fumble happened. Uh, so I do think the Patriots got cheated in this situation. Yeah. Um, but I guess the law of, laws of averages, I, I, I don't know. But I just think it's just the story of what has been happening all season. The offense doesn't have enough to produce enough points against the better teams. And, of course, yeah, that was a easy touchdown. I don't know why he even blew his whistle on – the touchdown that um, the guy jumped over the pylon. I mean, that was ridiculous. But if they would have saved that challenge for, well, they challenged earlier in the game, not too far before that, and lost that one. Then they challenged again and won that next one. But they were out of challenges. But if they were able to have one more, they would have been able to challenge that touchdown play and have a touchdown. But, you know, that's that's just how it's going to be this season. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I completely agree, but I really do think that uh, they got cheated out of a win uh, versus uh, any type of scenario. I, I just fully think they did get cheated. But yeah, as the Patriots, and I and that's what I was about to say. I forgot about that. And I do agree with your scenario about uh, the offense being inept and things like that. But it is what is going to happen the rest of the season. So has the Patriots lost their upper hand on the AFC since it looks like they won't get have the number one seed? Yeah, they, they definitely lost their edge. Um, I think they lost their edge whenever they went up against the Ravens. 
because that was the last time that they were undefeated. Once they met Lamar Jackson and he beat them at home, that's when they lost the edge. And then they've lost two games since then. And it looks like the Ravens are just going to carry that all the way to the number one seed. And really, while the Ravens keep winning, they also did them a favor by beating the Bills because the Bills are only one game behind the Patriots at this point. But um, I just think that the Patriots, they just don't have enough on offense this year. Their, their defense, I mean, I should get on them more, but really just the offense just ha- hasn't had it this year. I can agree. It's not, it, so it kind of looks like the Patriots were in a lose-lose-lose situation. And if they lost this game, they lost, uh, they put it, L on their record. Uh, if the Bills won, they then be tied in for the division and can take over the division. And if the Ravens win, they take over number one seed and they get home field advantage. So it was a lose, lose, lose situation for the Patriots from the beginning, uh, when, when this game begun. But yeah, so yeah, they really have lost their upper hand, uh, since they have not gotten the one, it looks like they won't have the number one seed in the playoffs. Um, and mostly because of that offense, like you said, they really don't have much going on there. Uh, Tom Brady is 30th in completions, uh, this year. So he's, he's been abysmal in many different ways on the field, even though they are getting wins, they're doing it in spite of the offense and on the backs of the defense. Yeah, but the, the defense hasn't really played up to what we thought they were earlier in the season especially when they've gone up against better teams. Yeah. So has the Patriots reached the point they need Antonio Brown if they want to make it through the playoffs? Um, I would say yes, but at this point, no, they're, they're not going to sign Antonio Brown at this point. They, they don't want that in the locker room. They know that they are struggling on just about everywhere with – their receivers and just any type of weapons on their offense, but they they don't want that in the locker room. That will be an even bigger distraction and that might spell the end of them. I think Tom Brady goes to sleep in a Antonio Brown Jersey every night, wishing he'd come back. That's how bad he needs Antonio Brown. Uh, if they want to make it through the playoffs and I don't think they make it through the playoffs. And I also think, don't think Antonio Brown comes back. He did apologize by social media and Instagram this past weekend, uh, saying that he, uh, really apologizes for all his, um, his actions. And he had time over this past period of not playing football to examine his actions and why they were toxic. But, Mm, it, it seems heartfelt, but you really don't know what to believe with him. I do think he's might be medically bipolar, uh, but that's here nor there in this situation. So, but when it comes to the Patriots, I'd still think they absolutely need Antonio Brown if if they want to make it through the playoffs. Otherwise, they won't make it. Make it through the playoffs to the Super Bowl. Or I mean, in Super the Bowl to to the Super Bowl, not into the playoffs. To the Super Bowl through the playoffs. Okay, well, I mean, they weren't my pick to go to the Super Bowl um, at the beginning of the season. At the beginning of the season, I had the Chiefs and the Seahawks, which is still possible. 
but I'm still not even sure about the Chiefs right now. Okay, and I, and I like how you kind of segue for this because you didn't even go the route fully I thought you would go, which is when it comes to the Seahawks. Now, there were two very big uh, divisional matchups uh, for the Seahawks, Rams, and the 49ers, which are the leads of, a, of their division in the NFC. Now, the Seahawks faced the Rams, a divisional matchup, where the Rams came out on top unexpectedly since they kind of lagged back in the division and the rest of the division has been pretty impressive. Uh, the Rams won 28 to 12 over the Seahawks and the Seahawks go to 10 and three on a season with only three games remaining this year. The 49ers, they end up in a shootout with the Saints who are a Super Bowl contender also and pretty much trying to get that number one seed in the NFC also. Um, but this matchup goes 48 to 46 with the 49ers coming out on top right at the end. This game goes 94 points in regulation. This is no overtime put in it. Uh, this makes the 49ers the lead of the division again. So with the injury to Rashad Penny, the running back for the Seahawks and the Rams back in the hunt for the playoffs, do you fear the Seahawks have lost control of the of their playoff future? No, I, I wouldn't say so. Um, Richard Penny isn't their starting running back. I mean, he, he is a part of the rotation, but I, I don't think he'll be missed that much. And with them losing to the Rams, um, it's kind of expected. The Rams, they were looking for revenge. They played the Seahawks pretty closely earlier on in the season, but lost by just a hair. And the Rams are really trying to make that playoff push because right now they are out of the playoff picture. Um, so I think the Rams just wanted it more at this point. And the Seahawks, I think they're just that road team that can make it all the way to the playoffs if they, I mean, to the Super Bowl if they need to. But the 49ers, they, they are for real. I, I, I thought that they might win this game um, against the Saints. I didn't think it would be in this way with them giving up that many points. But I I thought the 49ers were going to win that game. And they are in full control of their destiny. But to answer that question, like you said, um, I'm still kind of iffy on the Seahawks with them being in control of their destination. Uh, but I, I still feel like if they went out, they'll be fine. Well, when it comes to the Seahawks, I think they've lost some of their control of the playoff future because I know the Seahawks, mm, it looks like they will not get that top seed, and this is going to be trouble for them. Russell Wilson is quite impressive. They can still go on a very good run, no matter which seed they end up being in the playoffs. Uh, but... Ooh, I, I think the 49ers have proven uh, a lot. Um, so, and the Rams, are they're on the hunt. They're really on the hunt. They want to still make this playoff push and show that they are not a fluke by making it to the Super Bowl last year. So I think they did lose some type of uh, control of their playoff future because if they would have won against the Rams, they would have really solidified uh, their them in the standings especially if the 49ers would have lost, but uh, this pushes them back. Uh, they end up now tied in the division. 
or actually no, I think the 49ers completely take it over uh, as the 49ers are uh 11 and 2. But um what did the 49ers prove to you with such a clutch and close game to the Saints? They proved that they are Super Bowl contenders. They they proved that they can go to the Super Bowl and win it because they did play a Super Bowl caliber team and beat them at their home. Um, not in the way that I thought they would. I, I thought their defense would play a lot better, but they got completely dismantled along Drew with Brees. Drew Brees. <laughs> uh, along with the Saints defense because they have really regressed. Um, they were playing really well at the beginning of the season, the, the Saints defense, but it seems like they just completely went off the edge. <laughs> um, but I, I, I really see the 49ers being that top seed. And actually, no, let me take that back. If the Seahawks went out and win every single game from this point on, they will be the number one seed because all these teams right now are basically either the same record or one game apart. And the Seahawks have to play the 49ers again. But I, I still think the 49ers are Super Bowl contenders with a very well-rounded team. Yeah, it will prove a lot uh, the second go-round. Um, so I think it proves – yeah, I agree. They are a Super Bowl-caliber team. They won in a shootout where they are a defensive team. It, it was like – at one point, if you were watching the game, you really thought that Jimmy G was going to have to show you something. He was going to have to show you some Drew Brees. But the t- the tight end bailed him out. It was fourth down when they got that pass. When they went for, I think, I'm pretty sure with like 19 yards. I'm not exactly on that, but I think I'm right. But where that tight end just stiffed arm one player and carried two others to put them into field goal range. Not just field goal range, but very good field goal range. He bailed him out. Uh, I know Jimmy G did. He did throw the pass. How was that bailing him out? No, no, that was the right decision. But I I think it bailed him out from having to do some crazy impressive things. Like maybe he's just a too cool guy that you don't see what he does like that. But you see more of what Drew Brees did. He he really diced him. And actually, just to kind of recap, if you were looking at the when the Saints had the ball and they had to drive down the field in that short amount of time. I really felt that the receiver never should have went out of bounds. I think it would have was at like maybe a minute and 30 seconds. If he would have never went out of bounds, they could have ran off some more time. It would have forced Drew Brees to run up to the clock, up to the, the, to the line of scrimmage, but he was already in a no huddle uh, type of situation. I think he was prepared. And because I think it was a little bit of mismanagement of the clock and that they should have found a way to lower the clock, even though I guess you're supposed to think like you're not confident that Drew Brees is about to get a touchdown. Well, they they knew they had to get a touchdown, and you can't play around with under two minutes. I, I do I do understand that. I understand that, but he has been that effective, and they he was slicing them up slicing them up that bad that I really thought that the smarter move was to take some of that time off the clock. Yeah, but you never know. I mean, you, you can see what happened. They but, were but you see what shootout. happened in. Sorry the NFC championship where that situation was mismanaged. You can't take it for granted. You got to go and score the points. I, I do. I, I agree. I, I do understand being mindful, but 
I think you take the gamble because you just don't give him that them that much time. You find some way to get some more of that time off the clock. We'll move on to the Ravens and the Bills. Uh, the Ravens come out on top with this one with a very good Bills team, 24-17. to 17. This close battle was a very good defensive game. The Ravens come out on top controlling the AFC and pretty much home field advantage, looking like they will hold that number one spot. Um, so with such a great control as a team, is there any weaknesses that the Ravens have that will result in them not reaching the Super Bowl? I, I think the weakness is probably their outside receivers because they mainly well, Lamar Jackson. He mainly throws to the tight ends. They are the ones who produce the most points along with him and the running backs. Everything runs through the running game with Lamar Jackson, uh, Mark Ingram, and also the tight ends. And they are very talented tight ends, but the receivers are probably the most underutilized part of their team, which isn't, I guess, a bad thing because they have a very good record. And their, their defense looks pretty stout right now. At the beginning of the season, earlier on, I, I thought they were burnable, but they've really tightened up since they've gotten on this roll. But I, I still see teams in their own division giving them trouble. Like if they played the Steelers, I, I think they do have to play the Steelers again. But as far as just looking forward to the playoffs, there's probably not too many teams that can challenge them. Um, they, they've basically beaten everybody that are contenders in the AFC and in the NFC. So I would have to say, yeah, the, the Ravens look like they're on their way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I I would agree. I think they're going to make it to the Super Bowl. But what weakness do they have? It's hard to say. Like, they're a very good team, and they play for Lamar Jackson. It's kind of like when Philly played for Nick Foles. Uh, it, it's just sometimes that chemistry comes together to have somebody just have that type of momentum to get them to the Super Bowl and to win a Super Bowl. Um, I also think that's kind of like the year of the Ray Lewis, I'm going to retire. When he he announced he was going to retire from the league at the beginning of the playoffs before the first game of the, first, of the playoffs started. And they wrote it all the way through to win the Super Bowl, being one of his two Super Bowls. Uh, he is an all-star middle linebacker who played for the Ravens. Um, but when it comes to a weakness in these Ravens, gosh, it's really hard. I, I guess I would say the outside receivers because I just don't know their names. But he, him and that offense is really built around him, and I think they still have more in store for the public and other teams where they're going to match up and have a Heisman backfield with Mark Ingram, Lamar Jackson, and RG3 that they haven't really unleashed yet. They're just – Lamar Jackson is doing what he can do, which is either run or throw at any time. <laughs> so what you're trying to say is they have more to come than what they've shown. Yeah, I do. I think play-wise, it's not – it's not really like being extremely impressive in any other way other than the Wildcat. I really do think they have that in their bank and they're just not using it because they're they're trying they're on an MVP 
uh, campaign as a full team, I think, for Lamar Jackson, because he's been that impressive and they believe him in him that much that they think this season is that magical. And I really do think this season is that magical for that team. And one part of their their campaign is Lamar Jackson sitting in a pocket and throwing passing touchdowns. He is throwing two to three passing touchdowns every game. You would think these are rushing touchdowns. He just punishes teams by rushing. He he breaks ankles literally every every week. Like if you go back and see one of the biggest highlights from the past week, this man got his whole ankles broke. He wasn't fully broken, but he has done that in previous games. Yeah, but do you think they're peaking too early? No, I don't think so. I think the the chemistry behind this team is not a temporary energy. I think it's a we are going to fully follow through. We're not even fully believing our own hype. We're just so much like brothers. We're just so much like family that we're enjoying this ride. I think this season in general is a special season for their organization so that something like if you were in the building, you'll understand what that year was like for them. Um, uh, yeah, I, I guess so. I, I guess, um, from the fun that they do on the, on the field, from just if you're paying attention to them and how they act like on the, off, on the sidelines and how they celebrate together, uh, how they talk about their quarterback in, uh, post games. You can even look, of course, look back at Mark Ingram. All of that is very, it has a great energy behind their team, which, kind of reflects a Super Bowl-type team. Like the Bears, when they did the video about going to the Super Bowl before the Super Bowl. When was that? <laughs> uh, I, I don't think it was the 85. I think it was the 85 Bears. Oh, I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> I uh, thought you were talking about recently. No, I'm talking – no, no, no. The Bears, as in – it's famous because they made a actual video where when you didn't do stuff like that, still you don't do stuff like that. But they made a music video talking about how they were going to the Super Bowl, and they won the Super Bowl. Okay. But Mark uh, Ingram, he, he, yeah. he did this similar type of stuff whenever he was with the Saints with Alvin Kamara and all that stuff. Yeah, okay, yeah. And so it's not that I, I, I really don't have they think they have many weaknesses. But uh, is there any more that Lamar Jackson has to prove to be the NFL MVP with reaching a thousand yards rushing and leading the Ravens to a 11 and three, sorry, 11 and two season so far? I, I think he just has to continue at this pace and went out to become the MVP. Um, just don't basically just don't lose it for yourself. Don't have any terrible games and he's, he's got it. Uh, Russell Wilson, he just lost, um, his, his team isn't in as great of a place as, uh, Lamar Jackson's. So yeah, you just don't have any terrible games and you got it. You can have a mediocre game. You got it. I, he's pretty much got it locked up. I agree. Um, I don't even think he's going to disappoint, though. Uh, he's throwing, like I said, about three touchdowns per game throwing. And the it does add on that he's him and Vic are the only players ever to as a quarterback to have a thousand yards rushing in the season. Uh, that that's significant also. And he does that as a byproduct. He does that as a, a break the glass in case of an emergency situation and hurts people when he does it. It's almost his best asset 
and his arm is just as much as an asset. Um, so I don't think there's nothing he needs to prove, but yeah, he does. He doesn't need to win out. He doesn't have to win out. If, even if they lost two of the last three games, he still wins MVP. Are, are you sure about that? <laughs> yeah, Look. I think so. Who who else is going to replace him as the MVP? You think Russell Wilson would then become now the front runner in that? Yeah, if he if the Seahawks went out, yeah, you you beat the 49ers twice in a row. Yeah, that but, and you and you uh, went out uh, and get the number one seed. Yeah, you and Lamar uh, Jackson lose two games. I, I say yeah, he can overtake him. I think it'll just become a harder vote for the voters. I think it's just going to be more of a not an overwhelming situation. It'll be a more debatable situation, but I still think Lamar Jackson gets it. 13, there's things he's done, like highlight plays, uh, how many touchdowns, passing touchdowns he's done. Trust me, I'm, I like, I really like uh, Russell Wilson. Like he's my uh, current favorite quarterback along with Drew Brees and Lamar is Jackson is falling in. I, I, I never hear you talk about him. <laughs> Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson? Yeah. He's the only reason why I like the Seahawks. And when he doesn't play for the Seahawks, I'm not going to like the Seahawks. I'm just being real honest. Uh, but you don't even talk about them that much. It's, it, it doesn't really seem like you, you no, like the no, team at all. Because <laughs> I, I, no, because I try to act as an impartial fan when it comes to the Seahawks. Uh, and it's not when it comes too to hard. football, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't put too much faith in football. Uh, I'm, I, not I blind, I'm not a blind uh, follower fan for football at all. Uh, anymore. So I, I give my attention to who I feel like giving my attention to in the NFL because they do the same when it comes to fans and players. So I only give them the same energy they dish out to the public. Uh, that's why I'm like that. But that's only after, of course, having many years of being a blind fo- follower with teams right into the bad and the good. Uh, but that's the only reason why I don't talk about them and because I have a, I do have a fandom towards them. Uh, if I'm gonna say with any team, but I try to like keep my feelings out of it. And I don't like. Them. I, I wouldn't bet on them. I wouldn't. I don't like to talk a lot about them overly because I don't want to be that blind fan. fan. Well, I, I don't. Is there really any team that you completely like that you would get behind, even in basketball? No, I, I don't give blind faith to franchises. <laughs> they're they're rich people who you're giving blind face to that they're doing in your favor who they don't know. Uh, nah, F- fan is short for fanatic. But you are also being a fan of that player, which is connected to that team. Yeah, so, so I choose you- my fandom. And and I, I do it more towards if I'm going to choose it, I'm going to choose it towards the individual player because I can I can get behind their cause. I, I can't get behind an organization's uh, cause when uh, I, it's not it's hard to track. You don't know what's uh, going on there. Like it, it, I just don't give it to a franchise anymore. Any franchise, whether it be any sport. OK, um. I think I think I see your point. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't give it to none. It's not it's not a personal thing. It's just I don't give it to none. Yeah, I, 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 I'm a I'm a fan of a, of the uh, players. I'm not fans of franchises. Okay, I get you. Yeah, yeah. So um, I know we were going on with the. I don't even know where we ended there. Oh, we were talking <laughs> about Lamar Jackson. 
Okay, now I remember. Uh, now to end it off before we do our questions here, uh, we had the Cowboys play on Thursday night, which was another disappointing affair. Uh, they lose to the Bears. Now, even though the Bears lead the division, the NFC East, in many people's eyes, they have underachieved achieved with a 6-7 and seven record so far through week 13. The Cowboys suffer a disappointing loss to the Bears on Thursday night, showing they are they have many dysfunctions with a very talented team. Since it is very possible the Cowboys will still win the division with an underwhelming season, is there any solution that will end with Jason Garrett still being the head coach next year? I say that all they have to do is win one playoff game, win one playoff game, and give Jerry Jones one more reason to bring him back next year. Give him that feel-good moment where he just can't resist. He's back on track. He's back on the bandwagon, and he wants to bring back Jason Garrett. That's all he has to do. And all the Cowboys have to do is stay afloat because the Eagles – they're not really that good. Um, they're just the worst team. Well, actually, the Cowboys are the better team of the worst teams. Um, and I, I still think that they can surprise some people. I, I still kind of believe in the Cowboys. Um, they will get a home playoff game if they do win this division. And whoever's unlucky enough to be that, team, I I feel like they can win that game. Um, I know that's foolish. The Cowboys have looked terrible against teams above 500, but I feel like the Cowboys, they can get on a run. Uh, I hear you, but I don't hear you. I think that's a lot of fandom uh, there. (laughs) You think I'm a fan of the team? (laughs) I think you're in fandom. I think you're in fandom land. Uh, No, no, but do you think I'm a fan of the team? (laughs) I don't think so, but I think you are a fan of their talent. I think you're a fan of their talent, and that's why you're putting some you believe in them. Because I anything they've shown in the past couple of weeks would say that they you shouldn't have any type of faith in them. They've lost seven of the last ten games they've played. That that does not instill faith at all. Uh, so I don't think there's any result that will happen where Jason Garrett is going to keep his job simply because the fans, I think they're completely fed up. And if they needed to change something, would they know they need to no matter how far they get other than Super Bowl? Super Bowl will save his job. It will definitely save his job. No matter what. The fans say they're going to keep Jason. He's going to keep Jason Garrett if he makes it to the Super Bowl. He don't even need to win the Super Bowl. If he goes to the Super Bowl, he's keeping his job. Now, I think NFC Championship, that does not win him to uh, keep him the job. So other than making it to the Super Bowl, that's the only way he keeps his job. I know you said that um, the outcry of the fans will make him lose his job. But who runs the team? That's Jerry Jones. And when has he ever listened to the fans? You're right. 
I thought about it. I sat there. I actually paused for a moment. I thought about it. Correct. He does not think about the fans. He does what he wants. And I get why, because he controls it. It's his money. And he says, it's, it's kind of like how the Dallas Cowboys is, like, it is the embodiment of Texas to a lot of people. Like how I was saying that the uh, Knicks are in the embodiment embodiment of the the New Yorkers. It, it, that's what's happening here. And Jerry Jones is just not a bad owner. He's, he's he entertains. He's an entertainer. He he likes to show off what he got has, and that's the type of world we live in: glitz and glamour, live the rich life, and I'm going to show it off. He does it as a nice guy. But you're right. He does not think about the fans he does not listen to the fans he's all about winning and it just in lines with the fans that's what that's the only reason why this works yeah so I, I still see multiple scenarios where Jason Garrett comes back next year it'll be unfortunate for the Dallas Cowboys but I, I, I see multiple ways he wins one playoff game two playoff games doesn't matter just win one playoff game he's bringing them back I hear you because he does also uh, does what he wants to do. He just does what he wants to do, and what he wants is the people he's comfortable with around him, especially representing him. So I agree. I well, actually, no, I still don't agree on the. <laughs> I don't agree on the one game, but I do agree that he he does not listen to the fans, even though the fans will be out crying for him to lose the job, Jason Garrett. But who deserves the most blame for the expectations on the Cowboys season? Jerry Jones, the coach, players, or the blind faith the Cowboys fans give the Cowboys every year? Well, it seems like you kind of answered it for me. It's, it's the blind faith that the fans give out there every single year. They think it's their year. Every single year, we're going to win the Super Bowl. But then they get to the end of the season, and they're disappointed, and they'll be like, oh, but next year we're going to get them. We're going to get that Super Bowl. Um, and the players on the team, the coaches, Jerry Jones, they just enrich that. Dallas Cowboy fans are everywhere. Every single corner, there's a Dallas Cowboys fan. The blind faith that comes every single year gets that hype up. That gets the foundation of the hype. Jerry Jones, the players and all that, they just enrich that with their play and just being the Dallas Cowboys. I hear you. And I kind of led the question on that one, but I, I think it's Jerry Jones. He puts the expectations. He says he has the right talent. He says there's no reason why they shouldn't be there. I think he's if he wasn't such a public GM, maybe the expectations would be lower. Actually, I really think the expectations would be lower uh, if it wasn't for Jerry Jones, because if you're just looking at their talent and you're looking at the coach, which you kind of most times you judge the team by those two factors, the players and the coach, you would put them lower in your mind if you were thinking of them like any other team. Um, but it's it's really the history of that team that really gives them that big expectations. And history in the nineties? Hey, that that should be uh suck for uh the Steelers then. Well, it does happen now like that for the Steelers, so you might have a point. <laughs> and they won championships before the nineties. 
But no, no, I'm not talking about before. I'm just saying so. So recently to now, like 90s and 2019 is a big jump. But you might still have a point. Yeah, they. It's just the history of the Dallas Cowboys and just all the Dallas Cowboys that pop. Well, Dallas Cowboy fans that pop up from everywhere and that have just grown up liking the Cowboys. That's what gets the expectation up every single year to me. Yeah, and the only reason why I say it like that is like imagining blaming 2019 for uh, how people feel about uh, a football team in 2035 or 2040. That's that's like equivalent and like time wise. And because they were great during this time, we are saying that they should be great against uh, in that time. Yes, you're right. Fans are thinking like that, but they shouldn't be thinking like that. Uh, but so that's why I blame it on Jerry Jones because he's carrying it on through the the time. He is the only main thing other than the the logo and the actual symbol, the logo. Yeah, simply the logo and the owner has been the most consistent thing about this team since that time and what the time we're in. Uh, yeah, and they they became somehow America's team. So and, and I still think there's. Sorry, and I still think there's youth that becomes Cowboy fans. I think that's mostly a byproduct of their parents being uh, Cowboy fans, but they're still new fans to teams, this team who hasn't won since the 90s. Yeah, and that all comes from the fans. Yeah, I, I agree, and I do agree there. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the fans, yes, I agree, but... I do think that's a, a a thing that happens and has maintained due to Jerry Jones. So the expectations on this year is mostly because of Jerry Jones, because there's nobody else left to place the blame on for a 20 year span where none of nobody else. It was nobody else there. It's just him. There may be some people in the front office, but he's the main figure. Yeah, he's he's the biggest one out there, the biggest culprit of it. Yeah, so uh, we're end off there. Uh, this is so you think you know sports. We're gonna go ahead and go to the questions. We're not gonna take up too much more of your time here. So go ahead with the first question, Mom. They know the role. What NFL team drafted Brett Favre? A. Green Bay Packers. B. Atlanta Falcons. Or C. Minnesota Vikings. Hmm. No. I'm pretty sure it's not the Vikings. I'm really pretty sure it's not the Vikings because they're not going to tr- trade within the division or yeah, they're just not going to trade within the division. Now he plays for the Packers and I really do think Aaron Rodgers got drafted by the Packers. Is, this but, is Brett Favre. Oh, you said Brett Favre. Sorry about that. I don't know why I, uh, I said Aaron Rodgers in my head. So go ahead and repeat the question now so you can keep that part in there though. <laughs> All right. Um, what NFL team drafted Brett Favre? A. Green Bay Packers. B. Atlanta Falcons. Or C. Minnesota Vikings. Oh, and I'm, I'll go ahead and answer this out because I do know with Brett Favre it was the Atlanta uh, Falcons. Um, and I, I know it wasn't the Vikings. He went there after he played for the Packers. That is correct. Yeah. Go with right. the second question. The Baltimore Ravens 
are one of the only two NFL teams that have which of the following? A, a logo that faces left. B, no cheerleaders. Or C, a marching band. Mm. Hard question, hard question. But I actually do think I know the answer to this one. So go ahead and repeat it one more time for them. The Baltimore Ravens are one of the only two NFL teams that have which of the following? A, a logo that faces left. B, no cheerleaders. Or C, a marching band. Now, without looking, most people will probably still think it's like the logo. But I think, and I'm actually pretty confident on this one, but I might be wrong, but I think I'm confident. I think you said has. This yeah, game? which one do they have? Oh, yeah, I think marching band. That is correct. Yeah, yeah. It would be odd for me to know that, but I do know that. <laughs> okay, uh, last one. What state was Lamar Jackson born? A, Florida, B, Kentucky, or C, North Carolina? Hmm. This is a hard one. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, hmm. Go one more time with the question and answer. What state was Lamar Jackson born? A, Florida, B, Kentucky, or C, North Carolina? This is actually quite hard because where you're born and where you're raised is, can be two different things. <laughs> um, so, uh, gosh, this is hard. Um, you would think Florida because a lot of fast black people are in Florida. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. <laughs> Very fast black people are good, come from Florida. Um, I just have not heard of a fact of him being born in North Carolina. I'll be heavily, heavily surprised if he was. So I'll say Kentucky just because it's the odd member in the group. That's actually wrong. It's what you thought it completely was. Florida. All the fast guys. That's, mm, that's where they're wow. going. I should have just uh, kept with that because, yeah. Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I had more logic for it, but I just didn't believe in it. Yeah. You played yourself again. Yeah, but I two for one. I I got the marching band one. That should be worth two. I, I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> it's a weird question. It is. Uh, most people don't know that, but I really didn't did know. Like I confidently knew they had a marching band. Yeah, I didn't know before this question, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, this has been so you think you know sports. We'll catch you next week.